something shifted today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's a frequency vibration today. It's good. It's pure. It's healing. And so I don't want to jump into the message. I just want I just want to speak the, the release of even more of that frequency of the Lord today. That vibration in the spiritual realm that's manifesting in the natural realm. It's breaking the chains that still have held some held us back in some areas of our lives. It's breaking sickness and disease. It's like the ultrasound machine that's just it's just pulverizing things physically that are out of that aren't supposed to be there. And it's cauterizing thoughts that don't belong anywhere. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, as we breathe in, we're just breathing in more of that life that's in that frequency right now. Somehow, Lord, you have tuned us to you today at different levels and different places in each one of us. Thank you, Lord. God, we're in awe of what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Life be. Because life is. Thank you, Lord. God's talking to you guys. Speak up. You hear the Lord saying, I've scheduled a personal encounter for each one of us in this room over the next 30 days. A personal encounter different from anything we've ever experienced before, but with revelation deep. Life. Lifting. Health bestowing mm. the words of one of the songs it said all glorious and all glorious points towards a light shining around mm-hmm. mm. thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord what is light it's a particle and a wave both. it's a particle and a wave What else? How else can you describe light, if at all? Jesus. Penetrating. Penetrating. Norman, why did you say Jesus? Does Jesus have substance? See, there's this thing called light that in some sense is a mystery. Go back to Genesis a minute. I wasn't going to start there, but I am now. God, you're just wild. Genesis chapter 1. I wasn't going to start here. But why not start in the beginning, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness and called the light day and the darkness night. Is light good? And at that moment, was darkness good? Yes, because there was no fall, okay? So we have this concept of light and darkness from before the fall. And light has a quality and darkness has a quality. So if light has the quality and darkness has the quality, what are those qualities at that moment? 
They're equal, okay. But in the natural, in the visible, or in the, um, in the, in the natural, light has waves. It doesn't have mass, and it, is, it isn't like particles. And so there are the, and there's this spectrum of light that we can see in the visible, but that doesn't mean there isn't other aspects of light. There are bands of light beyond the, the spectrum of our vision. And sometimes that things that are beyond the spectrum of our vision are called darkness. There are times when there are things beyond the spectrum of our vision that is called darkness. But it's really light. Scientists will tell you that black holes emit light. But they're called black holes because you can't see the light being admitted through the naked eye. So God created light and separated it into light and darkness. That darkness at that moment isn't bad. It's just we can't perceive it all. It's a, it's a perception to reality situation. But we have been so conditioned this side of the garden to think of darkness as what? Bad. Evil. But what did Jesus do at the cross? He took the bad out of the darkness. He reset back to light and darkness in good state. So now it's a question of what we don't see versus what we see is still the reality. Yes. But it's changing because he's opening our eyes to see more. Yes. Wow. We don't see through the glass darkly anymore. Wow. Now factor that into your interactions in everyday life. Say that again, Linda. Speak grace into everything. Cool. So even if it appears to be dark, it's truly light. Yes. You speak light into that darkness that they don't perceive. Yes. Yes. Woo! Well, there's an hour of lecture. I could sit down. <laughs> See, we started off five weeks ago saying, God, how do we live this out? And, we, and, and he took us to Colossians. Go to, go to Colossians a minute. Chapter 4. I don't even think I can stand up much longer, folks. <laughs> Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to let the podium hold me up, okay? Help me several times. <laughs> <laughs> you, all, you all in Colossians 4? Yes. Chapter uh, verse 5. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Now, that's out of the new living. Let's change believers to those who live in darkness. Live wisely among those who are not, or excuse me, live wisely among those who are living in darkness. And make the most of every opportunity to do what? Share the light, to share truth, to speak Jesus. Let your conversation be gracious, grace, light, and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. 
condemnation is not the right response for everyone, is it? But light is. Light has a disinfecting effect in some situations, right? Has a surgical effect in the form of a laser. It can cut through even the hardest of hearts. And so, so Paul's telling us here, we need to speak graciously. We need to speak grace. We need to speak truth. And that comes out of our understanding of light and life. You see, go back to chapter 3 a minute. I'm going to build on what the bishop was teaching. Verse 1, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now the word life there is zoe, which is the state of one who is possessed of vitality or is animate. The absolute fullness of life both essential and ethical, which belongs to God. You are full of all the essentials of life that belong to God. And through him both uh, formed in the hypostatic logos, which is that union of man and God being Christ, that logos is revealed in human form. Life real and genuine, a life active, vigorous, devoted to God, blessed in the, the portion even in this world, of those who their trust is in God. We should demonstrate Zoe life much greater than those who live in darkness. Verse 2, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your life is hidden. You died to darkness, okay? And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. There is a day coming when the whole world will know the light and life of Christ. Isaiah prophesied that in chapter 9. So, wow. The mirror says in verse 4, The exact life on exhibit in Christ is now repeated in us we are being co-revealed in the same bliss we are joined in oneness with him just as his life reveals you your life reveals him when we're interacting with each other and we're interacting with the world our life should reveal jesus and those who live in darkness ain't gonna like it because it's going to reveal the depth of the darkness. Go to verse 12, chapter 3, verse 12 there a minute. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Translation, the life of Christ in you demonstrates tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Sounds like the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So graciousness, the revelation and releasing of light, flows with love. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you were called to live in peace, and always be thankful. 
Wow. Clothed in love. See, and then verse 16. Let's go to verse 16 in a minute. Let the message about Christ and all its riches and richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Who gives you wisdom? Yeah. Where does it come from? His love manifested in grace given to us in total abundance for every situation, every moment of every day. There's not one person you will encounter tomorrow that you don't have wisdom to relate to. But we don't think we have it. So part of living out this life of grace is coming to the realization I truly do have everything that pertains to life and godliness, including wisdom, including all the love I need, including the ability to forgive, including the ability to encourage, including the, building, the ability to lift up, build up, cheer up. We have it all. Do we believe? It's about your perception. Thank you, Donna. So what, is, what Paul is saying in these verses is we can do this. We can do it even when we're sick. We can do it even when we're pressed on all sides. He did it from prison. But his perception was he could do it. Hmm. And because his perception was he could do it, he believed he could do it. And because he believed he could do it, it was his reality. Go to Luke chapter 1 a minute. Go to verse 67. Then the father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. Has redeemed. He sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by what? What does your version say? In verse 72. He's merciful to his ancestors. This one says, by remembering his sacred covenant. The covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can... Serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness as long as we live. And then jump to 78. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Now we need to pick up on the concept of darkness there because this is after the garden what shifted was the concept of darkness at the garden all right okay all right we're gonna we're gonna explore the concept of darkness i need a couple of volunteers and if nobody moves i will ask specifically all right come on i need to Do you like apples? Yeah. Okay. All right, come over here. Donna, can I mess up your hair? Sure. Okay, come over here. 
Actually, do you like apples? Sure. Come over here. You're going to be the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay. This is your fruit. So, Donna, God says that if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of fruit of the good and evil, you shall surely die. And Satan says, no, you won't. Take and eat. It's really good for you. So take a bite. And just as soon as Donna takes the bite, darkness settles in. And it's not a burqa. It's darkness. Her perceptions and her reality change instantaneously. A veil. Hmm. So Donna, how's that darkness? Pretty dark. Okay, thank you. You can you can keep the apple. No. You see, that's what shifted. Her perception changed. Her reality changed. Perspective, perception, her beliefs, all of that changed the moment that veil fell upon her. Donna couldn't see through that. Well, I don't know if that one you could, but in reality, Adam and Eve no longer could see clearly. They lost a dimension of light. They lost a dimension of reality which was clearly seeing God. God was still emanating light, wasn't he? But their field of vision narrowed. The visible spectrum narrowed. The spiritual spectrum narrowed. Nothing changed but their perception. Yes. And so darkness, which we said in chapter 1 it was good, suddenly became the representation of not so good. Distorted reality about God and about themselves. Right? So darkness now has this quality of distorting truth. Bondage. I want to find my notes because my notes are probably a little better about that. The Greek word for darkness, which is pretty similar to the Hebrew, talks about darkened eyesight or blindness. And it is a metaphor, ignorance respecting divine things and human duties. They became ignorant to to a large degree about who God really was. And to compensate for that ignorance, they started to do what about themselves? Make clothes. Make more darkness. Because the more we do, the more we narrow the field of vision. And the more the field of vision narrows, eventually, in Romans 1, it talks about getting to the place of a retrobate mind that can't see, can't see light at all. How many of you grew up in a church that says, go out and preach evangelism by telling people in that state of darkness you're going to hell if you don't change? And how many of us saw people walk away going, yeah, right, I don't need this crap. Because darkness has trouble discerning the light. How do you break through a darkened mind? Answer, I can't. Jesus can. And how do we posture as carriers of light then to let him help him cooperate with, partner with, breaking through darkness? Show them the love of Jesus. God, you guys are so good. I'm going to go home. <laughs> you guys. And how do we show the love of Jesus? Kindness, mercy, compassion, gentleness, 
encouragement, build up, lift up, cheer up, all those things we talked about a few moments ago that gives Jesus the avenue to take the light like that laser and go into the darkness and then explode it. <laughs> I can do that. I can talk love. I can talk kindness. I can show mercy. I can do those things and have a greater impact than Donna. That apple turned out bitter, didn't it? You better turn or you're going to burn. <laughs> that was a bitter apple, wasn't it? <laughs> Go with me to um, turn to Matthew chapter 4. Yo, whoa, Jesus. Keep me standing up, Lord. Matthew chapter 4, verse tw 12 through 17. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth and then left there and moved to Capernaum and beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God had said through the prophet Isaiah, In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beside the sea, beside the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles lived, the people sat in darkness but have now seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. Who was the light that came into that region? Jesus. And how do we know that he's light? Because it says in John, he's what? Light and life. He's the light of the world. So the light walked into the region. Who's the walking carrier of the light today? We are. Every place we go, the light is going with us. Because if he's living as us, every place we go, Jesus is there. So when Ed ministers, or you minister prophetically, it's the ministry of Jesus in that region for that moment. Take a look at Matthew chapter 5. Verse 14 and 15 and 16. Wow. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Who's talking? Jesus. Who's he talking to? The people. And what does he say? People, you are the light. He's prophesying what's going to happen the minute the incarnational event is completed with the resurrection. You are now the light. And he's saying, what do you do with your light? Let it shine. Let it shine. If you are in a church situation where they don't encourage you to let your light shine, Bye. I'm, I'm history. If you're in a church situation where you're called to be the wood that feeds the fire of the leader, run. Because that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about your, every one of you, are the light burning bright wherever you go. You you affect people no matter what, wherever you go. 
You can go with a dour attitude. Go with the woe is me's. It's going to have an impact. What's it going to do? It's going to feed darkness. It's going to narrow people's perceptions because they go, if that's what Christianity is all about, I don't want that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and again, that word for light there, that, that's the Greek word phos, which means brightness. It means the power of understanding. It means brilliance and quality. And it means truth and knowledge. You have in you truth and knowledge. Because who's in you? Jesus. You have the brilliance and quality of light because the light is in you. It's the light that has no shadow of turning. You have this light that is so bright that when three, 2,000 years ago it hit the pavement of Jerusalem, people went, wow, that man's wise. And eventually they went, it's the Christ. And the word darkness there was that word skotas, the Greek word which is the darkened eyesight or blindness that I mentioned before, that ignorance respecting divine things. You see, people are either going to be moving in the direction of greater revelation or moving in the direction of greater darkness. Which one do you want to feed in your daily interactions with people? Guilty, I fed, I fed darkness. Hopefully not as often as I used to. Because sometimes that human side of me comes out and goes, yeah, I'm going to put my foot down, Jesus, not today. Not today, Lord. And he goes, you done with your tantrum, son? You ever have one of those you done with your tantrum moments? See, and this verse, these verses, five verses, chapter 5, 14, 15, and 16, that is the supernatural calling placed upon every person who believes. Lived out in the natural. I don't need to live the supernatural calling out in the supernatural because that's above the line. It's all done. We need to live it out below the line so others can experience it. Right? Wow. But we tend to talk about night, not light in the natural. But think of it this way. And, and, you know, if you walk into an empty house and it's dark because you got home late, and is there still light there? Yeah, all you got to do is turn the switch on. Right? And it manifests. The source is already there. And if we truly believe that Jesus, when he said, it is finished, imparted light into the, every single person born thereafter, the switch is there. It's just got to be turned on. Who turns it on? Jesus. Who does he use to help turn it on? Us. Is that okay? You okay with that? And there'll be times when we don't do it well. And then those times there's no condemnation. He still loves us. Because you might, you think about this, are not, are, are not doing it well may be a crack in the armor that ends up letting light from someone else come forth. Because he doesn't waste anything. Right? Go to John chapter 1. I'm going to go into the mirror for a little while. Now, if you have a printed copy of the mirror, there's only six chapters of John's. If you have an electronic copy, it's got the entire book. 
because he's been busy updating. But if you go to John chapter 1, to go back to the very beginning is to find the word already present there, face to face with God. The word is I am. God's eloquent echoes and concludes in him. The word equals God. Verse 2, the beginning mirrors the word face to face with God. Verse 3, the Logos is the source. Everything commences in him. So where does light commence? In Jesus. He remains the exclusive parent reference to their existence. There's nothing original except the word. The logic of God defines the only possible place where human can, humankind can trace their genesis. And this is verse 4. His life is the light that defines our life. And in the footnote it says, In his life man discovers the light of life. Verse 5. The darkness was pierced and could not comprehend or diminish this light. And the footnote says, Darkness represents man's ignorance of his redeemed identity and innocence. See, what happens when we're in darkness is we lose sight of who we truly are, who we were truly created to be. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 9 a minute. Jump to Isaiah 9. It's a good thing you're not up here today. You'd be on the floor. Verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. This is, this is, didn't we just read that in Matthew? This is where that came from. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Translation. There is a light coming to all of the world, including America, that will be so bright that people will be attracted to it like bugs in the summer. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. And, you know, and I, I tongue-in-cheek said about bugs, but what do bugs do in the summer? Where do they go? They gravitate towards the light. They don't like the darkness. People really don't want to live in darkness. They just don't know they're in darkness. But when the authentic light of Christ is demonstrated to them, they will be drawn. Because the Holy Spirit does what? He draws all men. Go to Isaiah chapter 60. 6-0, starting at verse 1. Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations in the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears to you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. What is radiance? It's the giving out of light. It's the emitting of light. This was under the old covenant. How much better under the new? The glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. And those in darkness will be attracted to the light. And it doesn't mean that be everyone will be attracted to the same person, but God has people out there that he puts in our paths for us to exhibit light to. And the thing about it is, is you have the wisdom and the discernment to know who they are at that moment. It's already in you. Do you believe that? Go to John chapter 1, verse 7. What was the role of John the Baptist? And what did he announce? Look at verse 7. His mission was to what? Draw attention to the light. 
of their lives so that what they witnessed in him would cause them to believe. People are watching your witness. And for some, it will cause them to believe. Why? Because the light is radiating out of you and it's breaking through the darkness in their heart. Even after the cross, the people have a veil, not because of the Adamic nature, but because they don't know the truth. And we live in a time in this country where truth is relative and shifting. Absolute truth is just, you can't have absolute truth because that hurts my feelings. Besides, I, I would have to give up my pet sins, sinful behaviors, I should say, if I had to believe in your absolute truth. But I got news for you, Jesus is coming to get them anyway because he already took them. He took them 2,000 years ago. You can disguise him, but he'll still find him. Verse 9. A new day for humanity has come. The authentic light of the life that illuminates everyone was about to dawn in the world. Who's the light? How do I know that? Verse 4. His life is the light that defines our lives. His life, Zoe, is the light, Phos, that defines our lives. Zoe, life, Phos, are equal. You can interchange them. So whenever you see life, you could say light, or wherever you see light, you could say life. Because if Jesus is life and light, then they're equal. Right? So you could say, a new day has come. The authentic life that illuminates everyone was about to dawn in the world. The footnote in this, in this particular verse in the mirror says, In him who is the blueprint of our lives, there is more than enough light to displace the darkness in every human life. He is the true light that enlightens every man. And for that, you can go to jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 a minute. Go to verse 16. Someone read that out loud. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Mm-hmm. And why are, how are we renewed day by day? How are you renewed day by day? Yeah. Jump back to chapter 4, verse 6 a minute. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. The light source is founded in the same God who said, Light be, and light shone out of darkness. Lit the lamp to our understanding so that we may clearly recognize the features of his likeness in, in the face of Jesus Christ reflected within us. Now, let me ask you something. You ever, ever seen the old blacksmith scenes out of Western movies where there's the fire and there's the billows and they're pumping the billows? If Jesus lit a light in every single person that has been born since the cross, what are, what's our role? Billows. We don't light the light. It's already lit. We just fan it. I am not responsible for someone having an aha moment, but I can fan the flames that lead to an aha moment. Whew. Going back to chapter 1 of John. Hey, the song, Soul on Fire, can't put this out. Yes. Yes. Go to chap chapter 1, verse 16. Again, out of the mirror. He, Jesus, is the source of our completeness. 
everyone may now realize his or own completeness as evidenced in him. This is grace where no grace was due. And in the footnote it says, His fullness is the source of all that grace communicates as our portion against all odds. When we think it is hopeless, when we think it is impossible that both the mountain that we're looking at or the person who doesn't, who, who has been for 20 years we've been trying to get the light fan and we go, it's just impossible. No, he's saying it's not impossible. It's just not the right moment. It's a timing issue. And who are we to second guess his timing? See, the minute we take control of the timing, we've now stepped out of our role of fanning the flames to take responsibility for his work. And how many of you know he doesn't need us to do his work? He just asked us to fan the flames. Wow. Verse 17. The law was given through Moses. Grace and the truth were begotten through Jesus Christ. Against the stark backdrop, backdrop of the law, with Moses representing the condemned state of mankind, Jesus Christ unveils grace and truth. And until this moment, God remained invisible to man. Now the authentic, in, incarnate, begotten Son, the blueprint of man's design with who represents the innermost being of God, the Son who is in the bosom of the Father brings him into full view bringing into full view is the expanding of our visible realm our ability to see we're seeing more and more and more as the spectrum of light expands not just in the natural but in the spiritual as well he is our guide who let's see let me he is the official authority qualified to announce god he is our guide who accurately declares and interprets the invisible god Within us, and there's a couple things I wanted to point out there. Moses, the law, the law, in one sense, narrows the visibility because it emphasizes that which is not emanating from light, right? So it tends to narrow one's ability to perceive light because we become sin conscious instead of Christ conscious. But ultimately, if left to its fullness, the law eventually explodes into, oh, I need light. I need Jesus. Because that's the purpose of the law. But look in verse 18 a minute. And again, here it talks about in the mirror, it says, Jesus is the blueprint of man's design. We all have the same blueprint. Let me say that again. We all have the same blueprint. And that blueprint represents the innermost being of God. The innermost being of God. That's your blueprint. You're not disconnected. You never were disconnected. Yeah. You just perceived disconnectedness. The blueprint never changed. Nowhere do I read in Scripture that God altered the blueprint. That's John 1.18 out of the mirror. He never altered the blueprint even after Adam took a bite. Hmm. Say that again so it's because it is recording. This verse? Yeah, well, what you just said. As best you can. When when Adam fell, the new norm became darkness. And then the law started to change 
changed the darkness into a shadow, a foreshadowing of Christ. And the church today still lives in that foreshadowing because they still live by the law. But God said, or James said about the Father in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the lights, with whom is no variation or shadow of turning. So the real norm has always been the full light from the Father. We just have not perceived it. Sure. And we have become accustomed to living in a shadow. And a shadow is still has darkness in it. Yeah. You familiar with welder's glasses? What do welder's glasses do? Protect what? Eyes from what? The bright light. After the after Let's put it this way. For about the last a thousand years, the church has issued welder's glasses. <laughs> you get your get out of hell free card and you get your welder's glasses. <laughs> Virtual reality glasses. <laughs> Virtual reality glasses. <laughs> but you know what? We're, we're in a move of God right now where he's taking the welder's glasses and he's pitching them. Because he's reestablishing his truth and grace. And that's what we get to do is we get to help people remove the welder's glasses. I think that's really cool. If you jump to John chapter 1, verse 33, and I'm not really going to read the verse. I want to read the footnote out of the mirror. A portion of the footnote says, In the incarnation, we have the prophetic word on exhibit, intercepting human history by assuming human form. Thus we see divinity immersed into our humanity in declaring that there would be no stopping him from entering into our hell in deepest darkness. Jesus entered into the darkness of humanity. He entered into that place where those glasses or that, well, actually that veil prevented seeing truth. What happened in the hour when he said it was finished? What happened? The veil was torn. And that veil prevented the people, prevented the priest from seeing into the Holy of Holies. Norman. So when God was up there, took the apple, the, the blanket of the veil came on her, or really what you just said, the veil came off. Yes. If Donna was still up here 2,000 years later, or 4,000 years later, or however many years it's been, 2,000 I guess, that veil would have gone, it would have been ripped apart, and not by human hands, but by God. Did you want to stand there for 2,000 years? No, okay, all right. <laughs> you know, I think, I think I want to stop here, because I think I want you guys to ponder this. We're going to jump to John chapter 3 next week. We're going to hit 3, 5, 8, 9, and a couple of others. And then we're going to hit what we can do in our daily life in interacting with others. And that's why I'm thinking this might take three weeks. I just originally thought two, but I think three.